0: From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Australia's wealthiest postcodes and the millionaires who pay no tax have been revealed in the latest data drop from the Tax Office. It gives us new insight into who has wealth in Australia, how they keep a hold of that wealth, and whether the taxation system is fair. Today, author Chris Wallace, on who the real burdens are on our economy. It's Thursday, August 18. Chris, the tax office recently released some data and there were some pretty interesting things contained in that release, but let's begin with what we learned about the richest people in the country. There are 60 millionaires in Australia who, it turns out, paid no tax in the last financial year. What can you tell me about that?
1: That's right, Ruby. The Australia Institute economist Matt Grudnoff did the terrific service of finding the 60 millionaires in the ATO data who mysteriously paid no tax at all. Now, obviously, the richer you are, the better tax advice you can get. So if you're of a mind to minimise or, God forbid, actually evade tax Uh, There's a lot of professionals around who will help you do that. There are tax havens you can use. There are trusts. There's negative gearing. There's lots of things you can do to minimise your tax. But you've got to ask yourself when you look at these figures are there a bunch of tax bludgers in Australia that really need to be brought to account so that everyone's paying their fair share, not just most of us? But the other thing that's unfair is that ordinary people who don't have access to sophisticated tax advice, they are paying their fair share. So, take the average income earner. The ATO stats show that they're earning about $63,000 a year and they're paying about 30% of that in tax. Now, how does that sit next to the knowledge that there are 60 millionaires in Australia who paid 0% tax? It's just plain unfair. It's it's inequitable.
0: Okay. So, I think it's fair to say that it's a sign that Australia's taxation system isn't operating in a particularly fair way when you have your average wage earners who who are paying around 30% tax, but you have millionaires who who aren't paying any. So what else does this data, when you dig into it, tell us about the distribution of, of wealth in Australia?
1: Well, that's the thing. The ATO does this terrific thing where they work out by postcode uh, what average taxable incomes are. So, you're in Melbourne, right? So, let's take 3142, which is a postcode that includes Turak. Residents of that postcode's average taxable income was nearly three times the national average. Similarly, in Sydney, let's take the 2027 postcode, which includes Darling Point and Point Piper. And of course, that's Malcolm Turnbull territory. The average income, average taxable income, was more than three times the national average, so even higher than Melbourne's 3142 postcode. But the absolute champion highest average taxable income, in fact, went to Perth's 6011 postcode, where on average, the taxable income is five times the national average, a whopping $325,000 a year per taxable income earner. Now, Bear in mind, Ruby, that's an average. So you can imagine the gigantic incomes some of those a leafy peppermint grove and seaside Cottesloe residents are enjoying. And of course, turn around and take a look at the welfare system. What are people trying to survive on? On JobKeeper? I mean, it's just farcical.
0: Mm. So, could you explain then what the underlying mechanisms are that are contributing to this inequality? The the ways in which the tax system Benefits these people who might be living in Point Piper or Cottesloe and earning $300,000 a year?
1: Well, the richer you are, the more avenues there are to divert income and create losses and switch your income uh, and get it flow to areas of low taxation. One of the big things that jumps out of the figures is how much Australians love a rental property investment. So nearly one in five wage earners own a rental investment property. And more than half of investment property owners enjoy tax breaks from negative gearing. So we're all in effect subsidising their, their property investment. And it's those 1.2 billion Australians whose property investments have been subsidised by taxpayers who put the fear of God into politicians wanting to reform property taxation. 90,000 of those people who own rental properties and are enjoying negative gearing tax breaks own three or more rental properties. So you can see how You know, those higher earning individuals who can afford multiple investment properties get a multiplication of benefits from the system. So it raises questions really about why the system works so well for people who can afford multiple rental properties and, on the other hand, why we have such a huge homelessness problem in Australia which government seems so reluctant to spend money on to solve. And it's built a culture where, you know, on the one hand, welfare recipients get pounded as doll bludgers but on the other hand, people who arrange their affairs consciously to pay less tax often fully compliantly with the law, uh, you know no one calls them tax-bludgers so there's this incredible asymmetry in this system about who seem to be behaving and misbehaving and um, of course tax-bludgers seem to get away with it quite happily and without adverse comment We'll be
0: back after this. As a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at the slash Chris, it's not as though we've ended up in this position by chance. This is the result of decades of taxation policy decisions. Could you tell me a little bit about that and I suppose what you've observed happens when governments or oppositions who are trying to form government have tried to suggest reform to the taxation system?
1: So it's been a problem for governments for for many, many, many decades to get companies To get rich individuals to pay their fair share of tax. And there have been many famous parliamentary episodes, for example, during the Rudd government and the Gillard government, where Treasurer Wayne Swan tried to bring in a super uh, resource profits tax. What this adds up to is a package of measures to strengthen our economy, to broaden our economy, to simplify our tax system and to strengthen the economy, particularly given the challenges that are coming our way as a consequence of the resources boom and economic change in our regions. And of course, when the Rudd and Gillard government tried to do that, all hell broke loose. The tax! tax the tax! The bell's ringing!
0: are the position we're in uh, because the government has trashed Australia's international reputation uh, with its proposal for a great big new tax on mining.
1: The mining resource sector mounted a massive publicity campaign to pound the government into submission on this. The extra
0: mining tax is going to affect Australians everywhere, every day. All that's certain,
1: somehow, some way, there's a price to pay. And, in fact, the tax ended up having to be watered down lest the Gillard government kind of collapse under the weight of the campaign. It's peace in their time. Today, we have a breakthrough agreement that moves Australia forward. The tax battle ended with a whimper. The Prime Minister returned to Canberra and went straight into the Cabinet Room to seal a deal with the miners. So that and, of course, Bill Shorten's attempt during his most recent term of opposition leadership to reform negative gearing, to reform franking credits, to make the superannuation tax system fairer. Of course, that was one of the things that helped cost him government at the previous election. And you'll note that Anthony Albanese didn't take those policies to the last election and got elected, but only by a majority of two seats. So tax is a really potent election issue. And it's very hard, even if you're in government, as the resource super profits tax showed under the Ryan and Gillard government, but especially so from opposition. Bill Shorten and his shadow treasurer Chris Bowen paid a very high price for taking those policies to an election and being unable to explain them well enough to persuade voters it was a good idea.
0: Mm. And you mentioned earlier this idea of quote unquote tax budgets. so the millionaires who aren't paying tax. And That's obviously flipping the idea of the dole bludger, which is this trope of someone ripping off the welfare system and, I suppose, by extension, ripping off you, the the taxpayer. So where did the trope of the dole bludger come from and how did it become a a common way to describe people who are on welfare?
1: Yes, Philip Mendez uh, from Monash University has done some terrific research on this at a recent workshop at Macquarie University on poverty. He gave a terrific historical perspective on just how that has unfolded. And he locates to the Henderson Commission into Poverty under the Whitlam government, the kind of high point in Australia of conversation about what poverty is, what can be done about it, what constructively can be done to reduce absolute levels of poverty in Australia. And he then traces since that time under the Whitlam government an incredible marshalling of forces, uh, partly media forces, partly through think tanks like the IPA, a, a really sustained effort to blame poor people for their poverty. No more bludgeons. Just sitting around on me, more. Now, you have to earn your benefits. Uh, through this concept of individual responsibility, it's up to individuals in the community to accept personal responsibility for their lives and their destiny. Creating the idea that somehow if you're poor, it's your fault, you're blameworthy. We have one of the most generous welfare systems in the world, but some people take advantage of it. Using taxpayer money on things like drugs and gambling. Is a cashless card the answer? And through this kind of psychological frame, creating a whole suite of policies where it's become the default that government unthinkingly takes a very punishing approach to people in poverty rather than an investment approach designed to lift them out of poverty and back into the economic mainstream of Australia.
0: And so when you talk about emphasising the burden that these so-called tax pledges have on the rest of us, I mean, what are the consequences of wealthier people not paying tax? How does that actually affect us in practical terms?
1: We're either all in this society together or we're not. And the idea of paying fair shares according to your need and ability is a very basic equity idea that historically has stood Australia and Australians in good stead. And of course, Ruby, it comes down usually to to who's in office. For 20 of the last 26 years, that's been the coalition. For more than twice as long in the post-war period the coalition's been off in office than labor so you tend to get these long periods of coalition government where things get less fair and then you get labor coming in every so often and trying to make it more fair and ever the tide is going in and out on on tax equity in the system and there's no mood for major tax reform now that's another issue.
0: I mean, that was my next question because the Labor Party did go into this election without promising any tax reforms. So to actually change the law, to do things like abolish negative gearing or, or get rid of stage three tax cuts or find a, a legal way to enforce taxes on millionaires, I mean, those are a big reforms that there doesn't really seem to be much political appetite for.
1: Well, I think there's an appetite for making the system fairer under the new government. It probably won't look like Big Bang tax reform but I think stay tuned for a lot of smaller changes that together add up to big effects. And, uh, yeah, no one's talking about hounding billionaires into the ground or out of the country. It's just about everyone recognising and fulfilling their responsibility as citizens to pay their fair share to contribute because you might be a rich professional or a rich business person in Australia. Terrific, good luck to you. But the fact that you can do business in this country... Do it safely. Do it legally. That's to do with a system that we're all part of, that we're all signed up to supporting. So everybody's got to do their bit, one way or another, and uh, let's see that happen in a in a fairer way.
0: Chris, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure. The City of London in Andrew O'Hagan's latest novel is crumbling. But don't mistake this for pessimism. Instead, the author insists it's a necessary process for a better future. Change doesn't just happen because it's time for a change. Change has to be forced. We live in the end not in countries that are settled places. They're just imagined communities. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's Read This, I sit down with Andrew O'Hagan to discuss his latest Caledonian Road. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also in the news today, former Prime Minister Scott Morrison says he plans to continue as the local member for Cook after fronting the media to answer questions about being secretly sworn in to multiple ministries. Speaking at a press conference yesterday, Scott Morrison said that it was necessary for him to have additional powers while he was Prime Minister during the COVID-19 pandemic. Earlier, his colleague, former Home Affairs Minister Karen Andrews and conservative media personality Andrew Bolt called for Morrison to resign from parliament. And de-extinction scientists from the University of Melbourne are leading an effort to bring back the now extinct thylacine, commonly known as the Tasmanian tiger, using genetic engineering and reintroduce it to the wild over the coming decade. The Tasmanian tiger became extinct after a decades-long campaign by European settlers to exterminate the species. Benjamin, the last known thylacine, died in captivity in Hobart Zoo in 1936. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.